So I'm reading from 1 Peter, 1, and then it's verses 3 to 9. Praise to God for a living hope. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation. And we do also speak a blessing now on Tony as he comes to bring God's words to us. Thank you. Good morning. It's, uh, it's lovely to be with you. It's lovely to be invited to come and speak this morning. Um, I bring greetings from uh, the Daughter Church uh, at Heathervale in Newhall. Um, it's good to uh, still have that link as mother and daughter. And uh, I know Martin has um, been here to speak before, um, so we continue that link. Well, this is a very familiar passage, I'm sure. It's one of those that I sort of hold close to my heart um, when I'm in difficulty or something is happening. This is the passage I go to. Um, Now, I'm sure you may have heard lots and lots of uh, sermons on this particular passage. Um, If not, if this is the first, well, enjoy, because it's an amazing passage. When I was thinking about this service, um, I... I was drawn to this particular passage. And as I read it, I wasn't sure whether or not this was a passage for me personally or whether this was a passage for this morning. Um, My own circumstances at the time of reading this were and still are very difficult. And originally, um, I thought maybe this was a passage for me. But the more I thought about it, the more I prayed about it, I felt God was saying, no, this is for the 11th of June uh, to come here. So this um, sermon will will have personal testimony in it, so please forgive me for indulging uh, myself in that, Um, but I think it makes the point of some of this. So, in good Baptist tradition, three points, Um, so you can then keep tabs on how I'm going, and the three points are these. God's mercy, God's grace, and God's proving of our faith. And you can see where that links to um, these parts in the passage. So, first of all, God's mercy. I don't know whether you've ever thought about 
God's mercy and what it actually means. Um, But in 1 Peter 1, verse 3b, it says this, In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So, God's mercy. And to understand God's mercy, um, perhaps we can link that to um, the UK justice system. Now, I don't know whether or not you've fallen foul of the UK justice system uh, or whether or not you keep within the law. You know, we all do 30 miles an hour in a 30 mile an hour limit, don't we? Good. (laughs) Some honesty this morning. Because I fail miserably sometimes, get carried away and um, just following the car in front and then realise he's doing 40 and I should be doing 30. Uh, So we all somehow fall foul of the UK justice system. But I thought it would be helpful just to put that into some sort of context. Now, uh, uh, I'm sure you've all parked your cars somewhere and I happened this one Sunday. uh, My family wanted to go out to... um, Prezos, is it Prezos in Weybridge? And um, so I parked behind the church and behind the shops, and it's one of those pay and display. So you have to guess how busy the restaurant's going to be, how long you're going to be, in order to put the minimum amount of money in the machine. I don't know about you, but I hate putting too much money in the machine. So I thought two hours will be enough. So I put two hours in the machine, and uh, we went to have lunch. How wrong I was. Not too many staff, lots of people in the restaurant. Two hours had elapsed and we'd only just ordered dessert. Now I'm left now with a dilemma. Do I go back to the car and put another hour in or do I risk it? Do I risk it? I mean, it's Sunday. Parking attendants don't work on a Sunday, do they? They do. (laughs) So how wrong I was again in walking up to the car so this gold and yellow and black notice is stuck on my windscreen and on the side window. I got a ticket and I had to pay £25 for the fine as opposed to £1.50 to put in the car park. So cheapskate failed miserably. Cost me a whole lot more. So I did something wrong I overstayed my welcome in the car park. I got caught. Parking attendants do work on a Sunday. And uh, I then had to pay the penalty. This, I'm sure we can all see as justice. I got the punishment that I deserved. I thought it was unfair, but I got the punishment I deserved. Now, had there been a judge involved in it, um, you know, if I was, had the ability to appeal and all those sorts of things. And if he was a really nice judge, unlike the one up there, because he's saying off with his head, uh, he might have said, OK, I will let you off this time, but don't do it again. You know, that pointing finger. So that is mercy. The judge has shown me mercy and that I didn't then have to pay the penalty. With God, it goes beyond that. God's mercy is paying the penalty every single time. Even if we do it again and again and again, he will forgive and he will pay the penalty. So if justice 
is getting what we deserve, then God's mercy is not getting what we deserve. Not getting what we deserve. Because God has passed our punishment onto his son, Jesus Christ. You see, God is the ultimate judge. And he has the right to sentence each one of us to death for the sins in our lives. However, he chooses to punish his son in our place. Jesus is going to stand in our place and take the full wrath of God on himself and pay the penalty for our sin. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I'm someone who um, thinks a bit. And um, you know, when, when the children were younger and they were driving me to despair, uh, and I'm sure that doesn't happen with you, but you know, what goes through my mind, if I knew then what I know now, would we have had children? Because <laughs> sometimes you just tear your hair out. And I, I, you know, I didn't have the ability to change. And in all honesty, I wouldn't have changed because the good times outweigh the bad times several times over. But it got me thinking about God because I can't get my head around a God who knows the beginning from the end, who knew we would let him down, who knew we would fail him, and yet went ahead with his plan. His plan of a perfect creation. I can't get my head around it. Because if I, if I knew then what I know now and I'd have changed it, surely God could have changed it. But he chose not to. And I, I struggle to get my head around it. But I know we have an amazing God. And he knew he would have to sacrifice his son, Jesus Christ, for my sin, for our sin, and pay the penalty for what I did wrong, for what we all did wrong. And he did it and still created us. He still went ahead. What an amazing God we have. Not only did he know, but he also put in place salvation's plan. That Jesus would pay the penalty and we would be declared not guilty before him through Jesus Christ. And John in his gospel says it so well. In John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. What an amazing statement. What an amazing God that we have. So to receive God's mercy, all we have to do is so simple. We just need to invite Jesus Christ into our lives. And by doing that, we're clothed in his righteousness and when God looks on us and the sin in our lives he sees Jesus he sees Jesus and declares us not guilty what an amazing God we have if that wasn't enough God pro provides even more we don't deserve anything but God lavishes his gifts his grace on all of us. So point two, God's grace. 1 Peter 1 verse 4, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, 
This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. So if judgment is getting what we deserve and mercy is not getting what we deserve, then grace is getting what we don't deserve. You got your head around it? Grace is getting what we don't deserve. That's our God. That's how much God loves us. And he's given us uh, this inheritance as a free gift. And this free gift of eternal life will never fade, will never spoil, will never perish. There is nothing in this world that can even compare to the inheritance that we as Christians have in heaven. But grace and love go hand in hand together because grace expresses itself through love. God so loved the world that he gave. God's love for each one of us is eternal. Now, grace cannot be earned. We cannot, if we were the best um, arguer in the world, we could not argue with God and convince God to give us what we don't deserve, to give us this grace that he so lavishly wants to pour on each one of us. You see, none of us can even come close to living a life worthy of receiving his grace. And if we can't earn it, we don't deserve it, it has to be given as a free gift. Wrapped up in a nice bow, ready and waiting for us in glory. But we experience it here on earth, even now. See, one of the songwriters, and um, in the words it says, God did not want heaven without us. And that always brings a smile to my face, because I look at myself and see how awful I am. But God didn't want heaven without me. And I, I just find it amazing. So with salvation's plan, we accept Jesus Christ, comes a hope for eternity. It's not a, I hope tomorrow it will rain. It might, you never know. It's a guarantee hope. It's a living hope that is a guarantee from God for our faithfulness to his son, Jesus Christ. So regardless of how we feel, today about our circumstances because your circumstances could be great mine aren't so great and more of that later but yours could be great so no matter what our circumstances are God loves us and he wants to pour out his grace on us so with that we should have then a positive outlook on the future I need to have a positive outlook on the future You see, as humans, we all need hope to cling to. You know, how many times have we heard, you know, someone's given up hope? And we see what it does to someone's life. So we need hope as humans. But this hope that we have in Jesus Christ is a confidence, is a guarantee 
of what is to come. You see, we can start the new year with, I hope last, next year, this year, is better than last year. And that's what I'm going to be saying on the 1st of January, 2024. I hope 2024 is better than 2023. But it's a guess, isn't it? I hope it is. It's not a guarantee. Where God guarantees this living hope. And it is a living hope that we have. It's living because it should be growing in us. This hope should be growing in us as we walk the Christian life. The more closely we walk with Jesus, the more this guarantee, you know, we feel confident about this guarantee that God has. It's a certain hope of an inheritance that is reserved for each one of us in heaven. It's been prepared for us. It's being prepared for us now in heaven. A special place to be in the presence of God for eternity. As adopted sons and daughters of the King of Kings. As Christians we belong to the Father. And we are his heirs. He loves us. He's redeemed us. But he's done more than that. He's adopted us into his family and made us heirs with Jesus Christ through his grace. What amazing grace, which is why I entitled this Amazing Grace. It is something that he has freely done for us through Jesus Christ. He's given himself as our inheritance. But even more than that, he makes us co-heirs with Christ. What Christ inherits as adopted sons and daughters and co-heirs, we inherit. An eternal life with our Father and our Saviour for eternity. This is God's amazing grace. So all this is a living hope for the future. However... We have to live our lives in a fallen world and suffer as the world suffers. But as Christians, we have to suffer a little bit more because we have to suffer as Christ has suffered. Persecution, all the things that go on at the moment. And I was reminded this morning as I watched the news about the the Scottish minister who put herself up um, to be leader of the SNP. But she spoke out her Christian faith. And the party turned on her. I mean, that's persecution, isn't it? But she's standing on her faith. And we need to stand on our faith. So she's suffering, and we would suffer for Christ. So thirdly, and this is the difficult one, even when I was reading this through again this morning, I didn't get past this first bit. So um, I'm trusting God. So God's proving of our faith. 1 Peter 1, verses 6 and 7. In all this you greatly rejoice. So that's the grace and the mercy. Though now, for a little while, you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. 
I mentioned at the start that I wasn't sure whether this passage was for me or for all of us. Because of my circumstances at the time of reading this in April, in early April, it was difficult because on the 29th of March, my wife died suddenly during the night, aged 67. We'd gone to bed that night. She was lying next to me in bed and I only knew that she had died when she didn't respond when I bought her coffee in the morning. She died peacefully in the night. No pain, no suffering. Her heart just stopped. And she slipped away. Slipped away in her peace, in her sleep. Taken home to glory. Now I'm sure you can imagine the shock that I felt that morning of what had happened. And it's still weighing heavily on me and causes me great distress every day. I cry most mornings because I wake up and I put my arm over to that side of the bed and there's no one there. It's tough. But I need to go on. So I'm sure you can see why this passage maybe was meant for me because of suffering, grief and trials. Because Peter writes, you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. And I'm still suffering immense grief and will do so for a long time to come. And the reason being is that there's been nobody else in my life other than Jesus Christ. We were first boyfriend, first girlfriend. I met her when she was 15. We were married after five years, and we were married for 48 years. There's never been anyone else in my life. And fortunately, her wedding ring fits my little finger. And they will remain side by side until I die. I don't understand why God chose to take her and to call her home and to leave me alone for the rest of my life. I do have a family. I have um, a son and a daughter, three granddaughters, two grandsons and two great-granddaughters. So I have a big family that love me and uh, want me around. But God also loves me but I don't understand why he chose to take her but I come to terms with if I think about how much I love her and want her to be by my side all the time how much more does God love her and why shouldn't he want her in his presence and that brings me comfort that she's with her saviour, the best place that she could ever be, even though I find it hard. He knows the beginning from the end. He knew this would happen. But I trust him that he took her home for a reason. I don't know what that reason is, but he knows. And maybe one day I'll find out But maybe when I'm in glory, it won't matter. 
it won't matter. In the presence of Jesus Christ, it won't matter. So I'm standing before you today as testimony to this passage. And I want to declare that my faith is as strong now as it was on the 28th of March before she died. I am not going to blame God for what has happened. You see, he's not to blame. His original plan for creation was no pain, no suffering, no death. If anyone is to blame for this, then it's Satan, because he brought all this into the world. He spoiled God's perfect creation. And he brought suffering and death into the world, which is why we have to go through these things because of that. So even though this is hard to bear for me, I refuse to blame God. I refuse to shout at God. I shout, um, and I did when I found her, I shouted pretty hard and loud in the house, but not to God. I don't understand, but God knows, and I trust him. And I'm constantly reminded of the footprints in the sand in poem. And I know, as I look behind me, there is only one set of prints. Because God is carrying me through this. And he will continue to carry me through this. A friend at Heathervale uh, gave me a bookmark. Um, and this is what it says. But it, it, it's entitled A Prayer for the One Who Is Left. But what I would say is if you are going through trials... Uh, at the moment, you're suffering, you're going through difficulties, then see it as a prayer for you as well, rather than just for the one that's left, because the sentiment within it, I think, fits. You may not be able to read it. Oh, yeah, you should be able to read it. Uh, Lord, the trouble about life just now is that I seem to have all the things which don't matter and to have lost all the things which do matter. I have life. I have money to live on. I have plenty to occupy me, but I am alone. And sometimes I feel that nothing can make up for that. Lord, compel me to see the meaning of my faith. Make me realise that I have hope as well as a memory and that the unseen cloud of witnesses is around me, that you meant it when you said you would always be with me and make me realise that as long as you leave me here, there is something that I am meant to do. And in doing it, help me to find the comfort and the courage that I need to go on. What an amazing prayer. And that is my prayer. I don't know why it's happened, but God has a plan for me in the same way he had a plan for Val. Despite my circumstances... I need to honour him in all I do and all I say, that he may be glorified through my actions. So I don't know what the future holds for me, but God does, and I trust him. And he will get alongside me, he will send people alongside me. Maybe it is people might be in the same circumstances I am, 
who needs somebody who understands what they're going through. And I do now. I've never had a back problem. My wife did. So I'd never ever say to her, I know what you're going through, because I don't. I don't know what back pain feels like. But I know what grief and loss and shock is. And maybe God will use me in that way. So that's the three points, but there's always a fourth. (laughs) And that is the application. What has this passage, 1 Peter 1, verses 3 to 9, mean to us today? Because it may be that there are those here this morning who have not received God's mercy by inviting Jesus Christ into their lives. And by inviting him into your life this morning, you get all the grace that God wants to lavishly pour out on you. So maybe it is you need to make that first step to committing your life to Jesus Christ. Receive his mercy and have this eternal inheritance. It may be that you're going through a tough time at the moment and don't understand where God is in all of this. But I can testify God is in all of this. He has a plan for me. He has a plan for you. And God is there with you in the suffering. The footprints in the sand are certainly something that um, you can take hold of. There are times when I walk with God, but there are times when he carries me. It may be that you've lost a loved one. And you are suffering grief at this time. God knows the grief you're suffering. Because he went through it, didn't he? He had to turn his back on his son as he died. God knows grief. But he also knows love. And he also knows grace. And he's willing to pour that out. If this is you this morning, and you would value prayer, you'd value to speak to someone, then can I urge you to do that this morning? to speak to a Christian that's on your table, speak to one of the leaders, or come and speak to me and be glad to share and to pray with you that you may know God's mercy, God's grace, and God's peace. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever, that you never change, and your love for us never changes. And we thank you that you didn't want heaven without us, that we're all precious in your sight. And you offer us this hope of an eternal inheritance through Jesus Christ. So Holy Spirit, will you move in this place this morning? Will you touch lives? Will you convict that we will respond to the preaching of your word this morning and that your name might be glorified in all we do and say. In Jesus' name, amen.